Hello and welcome to Soccer Raid Stories brought to you by Stat Sports. This is the brand new podcast series where in each episode, I'm joined by a different celebrity and a legendary footballer to talk about their childhood, their love of football, and of course, all things Soccer Aid for UNICEF. Soccer Aid is the world's largest celebrity football match. And over the years, we've raised over 47 million to support UNICEF's amazing work for children around the world. This year, it's all of us against COVID for every child everywhere. Every donation will be doubled up to 6.3 million until the 30th of November, thanks to the Children's Investment Fund Foundation, so you'll make double the difference for children. Right, let's meet today's guests. Usually, I'd be joined by a legend and a celebrity, but today we have got two for the price of one. It's one of English football's most popular managers and a former king of the jungle. This year, he's back to manage the Soccer Aid World Eleven as they go for three wins in a row. It's Harry Redknapp. Harry, thanks for doing this. Obviously, the reason we are doing this podcast is to raise money for UNICEF and the great work they do for children around the world. So let's go back to the beginning and let's find out what you were like as a kid, Harry. What was you like as a kid growing up? Football mad, I, I guess. Football mad. Well, yeah, I, mean, I grew up in East London and uh, lived on a massive council estate, you know, with hundreds of so many kids there, blocks and blocks of flats. And we lived there. It was an amazing place to grow up, really, because there was no cars, no traffic. We just played football anywhere we could on the estate. And uh, and we ended up with a little team. We had a, a guy who started, a, he, was, he worked in the docks called Albert Chamberlain. And we used to play. I remember get chased off by the porter because you weren't allowed to play ball games or whatever. We'd always, you know, try to nick our ball. Anyway, Albert got fed up with this and he decided to start up a team called Bedette Boys. And we started up in the first year, I think we were all about nine and ten. He put us in under 13 league or something ridiculous. We were getting beat 15 nil every week, you know. <laughs> anyway, the, the following year, he got, got us in an age group of our own age. You know, we used to play in the Regents Boys League, slap all the way to Regents Park from the East End of London on a Sunday morning. It was a long way, you know bus, train, bus, walk about another five mile, get changed beside the pitch. But amazing thing was when we left school at 15, every one of the team that played in that team got an apprenticeship at a football club. Every single one. Wow. We had 11 of us all went on to get the apprenticeships at QPR. Three of them went to Tottenham. Two of us went to West Ham. It was just unbelievable. One went to Millwall. We all got an apprenticeship somewhere and, uh, Thanks to Albert Chamberlain, who got the start of that little team up. You're an amazing man. Amazing. Who did you sign with? I left school at 15 and went to 14, in fact, and I went to West Ham. Oh, wow. I signed for West Ham, and my first year there, we won the FA Youth Cup. I was a 15-year-old, and the Youth Cup was a massive competition back in them days. We ended up with a final 35,000 people, semi-final 25,000 people, Upton Park, amazing atmosphere beat Wolves in the semi-final and beat Liverpool in the final. We went to Liverpool, Anfield, got beat 3-1 and we were losing 2-1 at half-time in the second leg. So we're 5-2 down on aggregate mm. and we scored four goals in the second half in 45 minutes to win the match and win the FA Youth Cup. It was amazing times, you know. They had a great manager, though, Ollie. Ron Greenwood, he just followed the kids everywhere. He just was an amazing manager best coach I've ever seen by a million miles. Never seen anybody get anywhere near him. And he just believed in the youth policy at West Ham. He, he was the one, really, when they talk about the academy, 
it was Ron Greenwood. He, he started that, you know, brought Bobby Moore, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters through the youth teams. Wow. All went on to play in the World Cup winning team, as you know. Uh, the whole team was made up of homegrown players. Trevor Brooking came out of the youth team, Frank Lampard, Alvin Martin. Everybody came through the youth policy. Yeah, you were saying just then that you, were, as a kid, you used to play a lot of football in East London, obviously on the pitches and stuff. Like that. What sort of games would you play? Was it like a Wembley? Was it what was it? Fumble? What was the what was the game? Oh no, we had a little bit of grass that we we called Wembley, and we'd go over there. We'd come out from school. We, Ollie, we'd play football from the time we came out from school to the time it was time to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. We'd play football. That's all we'd done. Your mums, you didn't shout, Harry. Bobby, Jimmy, your mums would be shouting out, it'd be dark. But then I used to go training at Tottenham when I was 11. I got asked to go to Tottenham. I played East London schools against Wanstead schools in a cup final at Den, the old Mill Wall ground, you know. And there was a scout there called Dickie Walker who scouted for Tottenham. And he took me to Tottenham, asked me to go to Tottenham. And I went there training Tuesday and Thursday nights. And six weeks in the school holiday, me and another boy who was two years older than me, I'm 11 years of age, we had, we scored away from the East End to Chesham which was like, would take us an hour and a half. So it was amazing. But we used to go there and train all day during the school holidays. So if I remember rightly, Wembley, is it when you had, it was all against all, wasn't it? First person to score, they would stand behind the back of the goal and then wait until there was, and the last person who wouldn't score, they'd be out, wouldn't it? No, we just had, we just had a pitch called Wembley. Oh, right, okay. It was one bit of grass that was, that was better than anywhere else. So we said, let's go over <laughs> Wembley. We can't play on Wembley, but we start playing and then it's the porter would come round and chase us and we'd all pick the ball up and run and he'd chase us, try to nick our ball off us. And what was you like as a young lad, Harry? Was you a good boy or was you a bit naughty or what was you liking? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I was, my dad was football mad, you know, he just loved football. He was a big Arsenal fan, my dad. He played non-league, he was a prisoner of war, came back from the war, could have been a player, no danger, but he could really play and he yeah. lived for sport. He'd be at your call boxing every week if there was boxing on. He'd sit and watch snooker, darts. He loved every single sport. That sounds like you, Harry. Sounds exactly what you're like. I know. I know. Football, boxing. My dad used to go to your call and he'd put the programmes on the seats and Frank Warren used to give him a ticket for doing it, you know? And we used to go, Ollie, he'd take me and say, listen, uh, oh, Stanley Matthews is in, ta- in London. They're playing Chelsea. So we go and watch Chelsea play because Matthews was playing. Every Saturday, we was at a football match. And just talking about your your football career, I've never asked you this. I've never, I don't know this actually. What position did you actually play? I played right side midfield, but I played in a team at West Ham with Bobby and Jeff and Martin. When you look back, they had amazing players. You know, say three of the boys going on to play in the World Cup final. And what, I mean, obviously, we, we we know the game has changed a lot. And obviously, back then, when you when you must have been playing, I mean, the the culture was so different to what it is now. The diets, Oli, completely different. I mean, we didn't at the start of the year. You got a pair of boots, studs, and rubbers, and they were your boots for the season. If you lost them, you had to buy another pair. You had to buy them yourself. There wasn't no, oh, we give you another pair. There's no sponsorship deals back then. Then I take it. No, there were no, no one got boot deals. And what people forget, Ollie, there was no replica kits. No one came to football wearing a West Ham, Man United, shirt, any shirt. Mm-hmm. There was no one. Everybody just came in their overcoats or their clothes and whatever clothes they wore. But there was no such thing as replica kits. They came in much, much later. You know, Bobby Moyer, a little sports shop right facing West Ham ground. There were no substitutes. So if you got Gosh. injured, you had to play on. Wow. People forget there were no subs in the 1966 World Cup. 
That's mad. <laughs> Didn't even know that. There was no subs, Ollie, no subs. You got injured. That game went to extra time against Germany and the same 11 players. Obviously, they, you had 11 players. You had no subs. The subs weren't allowed. So if you'd have had injuries, lucky enough that they know both teams end up with, you know, all, all 22 players stayed fit. So they finished, obviously, with the same. Everybody fit on, it's still 11 aside, but there were no substitutes. I just can't believe that. Talk us through your routine uh, before a game. What was your routine? If we were playing away, you'd get on the coach probably at Upton Park at nine o'clock, go down to the, get stuck in traffic or whatever, down to the Midlands, get to a hotel, have a pre-match. The pre-match was fillet steak, big fat fillet steak, <laughs> followed by loads of toast and rice pudding. <laughs> and then by the time that arrived, it was nor- it was normally time you got there, time you got time for a there, nap. Time- <laughs> it would be up past one, and you're just finishing your rice pudding at up past one. You're kicking off at three o'clock. Then it's on the coach <laughs> to the ground, which, which is like 20 minutes away from wherever your hotel was, I suppose. And then suddenly it's two, you, you're playing in an hour and 20 minutes. You're kicking off. Wow. Then you never went on the pitch. You didn't go for a warm up. You, you got changed. You sat in the dressing room. The bell went at five minutes to. You jogged out as a team. The ma- captain went straight to the middle and tossed up and told you what ends you were kicking and you started playing. Wow. You never stretched. You never warmed up. There was no stretching. There was no warm. We never went on the pitch and came back. That would have came in during the 80s. Eh? Was you still playing then or was you, uh, was you then a manager? Yeah, playing and I was out in America. But uh, yeah, you just, you didn't, you sat in the dressing room until the bell went. You, you might have two balls or three balls maximum between the other 10 of you and you might get a touch of the ball if you were lucky. The goalkeeper might have someone chip a couple of balls into his hands. And that was the warm-up. You didn't stretch. You didn't have, we didn't know what a stretching exercise. The training was the same. You're coming in the mornings. What's, what's a stretch? You're coming in the mornings on a freezing cold winter's day and you go out, okay, off we go. You start running. That was your warm-up. You'd be doing around the side of the pitch and you'd be sprinting without stretching. Okay, up to the behind the goal, off you go. Everyone's running. Unbelievable. Pre-season, we're going to Epping Forest for four weeks, right? In the mornings, we come in on the coach, right? There'd be about 50 players in them days. You had a first team, reserves, A team, youth team. You'd have 50 players. And you'd, be on, you'd get on the coach into the Epping Forest. First day back, you've had the summer off. You've all been on holiday, whatever. Off the coach. Okay, let's jog. Now you're jogging up the Epping High Road on the little narrow pavement in single file with cars coming by and lorries. <laughs> you're jogging. It's concrete. You're running on concrete. Now you're running in plimsolls, flat little plimsolls. We didn't have running slippers and run. It weren't none about. Okay, up into the forest, you go and run. Have a walk. You'd walk. Walk for five, ten minutes. Okay, off we go again. We'd run. We're there one day, Ollie, in the forest. Bobby Moore and Brian Deer, they've come past on the milk float with a the milkman. They've got the milkman's out on. <laughs> right? Moro's Moro drinking a pint of milk. They're going, come on, you lot, get your legs up. And they jumped off about 200 yards before we got to the end because the manager would know if they was up the front. Wow, brilliant. It's mad because nowadays, obviously, stat sports, you get all the data now. People have got the vests on, the heart rate monitors and all that sort of stuff. I mean, times have changed. Oh, we had nothing like that. Well, you know, nothing at all. But we loved playing. We used to come in Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday night during the summer. We'd open up the training ground. We used to, or we, first of all, we used to go to Anal, Anal golf course. We'd put the coats down and we'd have like a 
10, 11, 12 aside, whatever, there'd be after players in the West Ham and there'd be a load of our mates who would come along. <laughs> after we had a game, you would have a shout. There was a little place that have a shout. Then we'd go around the retreat pub in Chigwell, a drink. We'd go in there, they'd have all the music on from, you know, the Motown music in the 60s and whatever. She'd put food on the vibe, run the pub. She'd had the prawns and she'd have jelly deals. She'd have lovely roast beef sandwiches, smokes. She'd lay it all on, you know, we'd all go back there. It's mad because that sounds like when I used to be in a Sunday league team, that's kind of what it used to be like for us on a Sunday. We'd go to the local pub in Whitton called the George and we'd have all the food spread out, all the, all the people that come down and watch him. You know, the old man in the corner of his dog would be there and yet you're playing for West Ham. Like <laughs> it, it, it was the completely, it's mad. Soccer Aid for UNICEF takes place at the Etihad Stadium on Saturday, the 4th of September, and you can buy your tickets at soccerade.org.uk. Let's move on. So you've met Sandra, you have your family, you've got your kids. I mean, what was it like to see your children go into football and, and go into something that you were so passionate about? Oh, it was fantastic, Olive. You know, I'm, I went to Seattle and played at Seattle. So Jamie used to come in training every day and Mark. He'd come in, you know, and just be around the training ground. I went out there with Bobby, Bobby Moore, Jeff Hurst, and the boys would just come to the training ground every day and just be around the footballers, really, you know. But then at a very early age, I think Jamie was about, again, he was about 11 when he used to go train at Tottenham during the school holidays. Uh, Peter Shreves took him away with the first team one Saturday on the coach and in the dressing room when he was about 11 years of age. Yeah, because Mark as well, Mark and Jamie, they both made it professional, didn't they? Well, Mark signed for Bournemouth and he broke his ankle so badly that oh, it was nice. just irreparable, really. They were going to fuse it. Then he came back and started playing non-league, Dorchester Town, like Southern League. Uh, but he couldn't walk for a week after he played. It was crazy, you know. It was, no, it was great. And my dad, who was football mad, so he could go and watch Jamie. He used to drive, he used to get the train to Liverpool on his own. He used to go up and watch Jamie play all on his own, get the train, He'd look forward to it all week. My mum used to make him a cheese and mustard pickle roll. She'd go and get some nice rolls, right? Make him a roll and make a roll for Jamie's. Come home one Saturday, Saturday night, he went, oh, I felt terrible. Jamie and Steve McMenamin used to drop me dad back on the train to the station. He said, I had this cheese and mustard pickle roll for Jamie. He said, I, I felt bad. I didn't have one for Steve McMenamin. I said, mum, don't worry. He's earning about 40 grand a week at the time. I said, I think he can afford a cheese and mustard pickle yeah, roll. He said, no, no. So next week from then on, Mac, every time I see Macca, he said, I remember your dad, every Saturday, he'd bring me a cheese and mustard pickle roll. <laughs> I'm going to ask Steve McMenamin that when I see him next. And obviously you went into your football career. You went into obviously management. What was your first job? Anything random? What was the first thing that you you remember? Well, I went to America. Well, I went to America with the Seattle Sounders, played out there and they become assistant coach. And we had a great time out there in Seattle. And then we came back. I went with, uh, with Bobby to Oxford City, me and Bobby Moore. Bobby always said, look, if ever I get a job, Harry, I'd love you to come and work, work with me, you know. And so when Bobby got the easy run, so I got the job at Oxford City. I thought it was Oxford United in, in the league. It was Oxford City and Ishmael League. <laughs> I went there, me and Bobby went, went there and that, it was tough. I mean, we're playing, you know, that league, you know, sort of the non-league yeah. scene. It was hard. We'd play on a Tuesday night at Tilbury or somewhere where we were playing in Nishmin League. 
And I used to find a lot of the managers, they'd score a goal and they'd jump up. They'd like, I don't know. It was like, they love beating Moro. He couldn't have met a nicer man. But, you know, and I used to sit there thinking, what am I doing here? And I used to look at him and think, what am I doing here? What's he doing here? You know? Well, it's mad because um, obviously when you listen, when you watch and you listen about Bobby's career, obviously as a player, we know how amazing it was. But actually after he finished football, he really struggled to get work, didn't he? He really struggled to get the jobs. Yeah, Ollie, so much of it is circumstances. Getting a break at the right time. You know, you're a Man United man. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer gets the job there, you know, and he's now he's settled in. He's just got a three-year con. It's getting a break. You never saw him being a Man United manager, you know. Yeah. Bobby just never got the chance to manage a decent club. He went to Southend, who were in the fourth division. He never got a chance to manage a decent club. If he'd have gone to West Ham, who knows? He might have been West Ham's greatest ever manager. Yeah. He never, he never had the opportunity. No one gave it to him. He knew so, he was such a fantastic person, knew so much about the game. He had an aura about him. People loved him. I'm sure with the right club, he could have been could have been a real success. I mean, and we, we ask everyone this, obviously. It's a question you ask a lot of people, but how great was he as a player? I mean, he, he really was phenomenal. Oh, he's fantastic. Ollie was amazing. I mean, you look back at the World Cup in 1970, it was the greatest tournament I've ever seen. Football, that 70 World Cup, that Brazilian team was just mind-blowing, you know. You watched him play there. Yeah, he was just special. He read the game. He was always in the right position before anything developed. He never got at full stretch or having to make desperate tackles. He always just... Yeah. New way of, like it was one move ahead of everybody on the foot. When we had the snow one year, we went to Shrewsbury Town because they had no snow on their pitch. Football was stopped for about seven weeks. And we fixed up a game at Shrewsbury, uh, West Ham. We travelled all the way to Shrewsbury for this to keep ticking over because football was off for six, seven weeks, no games, no under soil eating, obviously, in them days. We went to Shrewsbury, Morrow played centre forward, scored a hat trick that night. Fantastic. Yeah, well, it's interesting because just seeing what you said then, when you watch clips of Bobby, it, it sounded like the, it, he made the game look so easy and all the great players do. He made it look so so natural. And you, when you watch the clips, he, he never seemed like he was out of breath or he was struggling. It was all at his pace and all at, at he, 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 like you said, he read the game so well. But you don't realise, sometimes you can be too close. When you're close to someone, like I grew up with him, so we were mates, but... I remember being in America and watching a game. Bobby got picked for Team America. It was the bicentennial tournament. It was England, Italy, Brazil and USA. And the USA team was made up of players in the league. So they had a choice of players from the Cosmos, everybody. Anyway, Bobby played in that game team. And they played Brazil in the kingdom in Seattle. And I remember being there with my wife and the kid and Tate, Bobby's wife. And all. we were all there, you know, 60-odd thousand people there. At the end of the game, Revelino, who was one of the world's great players, Revelino, he used to do the step over with mm. droopy moustache. I remember Revelino. He'd step yeah. over and send people 10 yards the wrong way here. He'd do a double step over and then he'd smash it in 30 yards in the top corner. At the end of the game, one of the American team, America players, ran up to Revelino and asked if he was swapped jerseys with him. And I'm sitting watching this and he's gone to the, gone. I thought, oh, that's, he's refused to change, swap shirts with him. Guy, you know, mm. he turned Revelino, he sprinted 70 yards up the pitch, and I mean at full speed, tapped Bobby on the shoulder and, and begged Bobby for his shirt. And that told you just what the, what the man was, you know, that Revelino, who was, you know, in the top four or five players in the world at that time, just ran all the way up the pitch just to try to get swap shirts with Bobby Moore. Quickly, you obviously, you've, so you've come to the UK 
what was your big break? What was the job that you went from after that? When was the the big one for you? Uh, well, I went to Bournemouth as as as, um, as a coach. I was getting ninety quid a week at Oxford City, driving like being every day. I used to drive in the mornings. They give me a little full Fiesta nine fifty. And I used to have to drive in every morning to Oxford. It was 95 miles exactly to, to the stadium. Drive there, being there at nine o'clock. And Tommy finished training Tuesday, Thursday night. It, I'd be getting on midnight. Then by nine o'clock next day, I'm back in at Oxford again, you know? Yeah. And then David Webb took me to uh, Bournemouth with him. And that was a great time for me. We got promoted at the old fourth division. And eventually I became manager of Bournemouth and uh, got them out the third division as it was then into the championship for the first time in 100 in their history. It had never been that mm. high than Division 3 or 4. So that was a great time for me. We beat Man United, or we beat your team when they were cup holders. Ron Atkinson was a manager, Brian Robson and that, that team, you know, great players. And we were struggling for a division team and we beat them 2-0. It was a miracle. We beat them 2-0 at Dean Court and we won easily. They, they never really had a shot at goal. It was just... It was beyond belief. I mean, we were really struggling in the third division, sort of bottom half. And this one day, I don't know what happened, how it happened. I couldn't. My players were just like men inspired. They ran, they chased, they tackled, and we won two 0 It was just unreal. I just, I just heard you mention Robbo. Then, obviously, Brian Robson, he's your assistant at Soccer Aid. He's been there a few times with you. What a, what a captain, what a, a player he was. What a great guy as well, and he was fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic person. What a player. Yeah, Robbo is special. I love him as a, a bloke and a, a certainly as a player as well. And talking about managers, I heard you then mention Ron Atkinson. Obviously, you know, you managed for so many years. You've managed against all the greats. You've, what was it like to... Who was your favourite manager that you've met or who's the one that you... You know, what were they all like? What was Sir Alex like? What was Arsene Wenger like? What were all these guys in, in the era that you was in? Yeah, oh, Alex was great. I mean, we'd go and have a drink in Alex's office. They always had a nice bottle of wine, whatever. And before a game, we'd, you know, we'd take the teams in at 10 past two, at two o'clock, go back in the dressing room, 10 past two, the players go out for a warm-up. That, that's the loneliest time as a manager when you're sitting in that dressing room, you know, between 10 past two and 10 to three when the players come in again. You're sitting there, you're reading a programme, you're worrying about, have I covered everything? Are we, how are we going to do it? Oh, it's going to be, how are we going to cope here today? You go into Old Trafford, say, hope they don't get an early goal because they can completely overrun you. So I used to go in, Fer Fergie would always invite me in, come in, the, take the teams in. Harry, when the teams go out, come in the office. And I'd go in his office, we'd have a bet. We'd have a bet on the on the, uh, on the horses. <laughs> we'd sit there, have a cup of tea. We'd have a cup of tea and have a chat about football. And he was like me, he knew every player in every division and everything. But the racing would be on as well. We might, we might have a bet on the phone even, you know, and have a laugh and... We'd have a chat, but then suddenly quarter two, the union team's coming in. Time, bit time to uh, disappear and get in the uh, get in the dressing room and get ready for the game. Did you have any? I mean, you say obviously how great you guys got on. Did you have any disagreements? Did you have any arguments? Did you get any of the hair the hair dry treatments from Fergie at any point? No, not really. No, I could always hold my own. Only anyway. <laughs> I bet you can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we can have a round. No, we. The only argument I've ever had with another manager was at soccer aid. I think with Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely idolised Kenny. I love Kenny Dugleach. You know, I've known Kenny since he was 14 when he came to West Ham. West Ham and every club in England were trying to sign him. He went to Celtic. When he left school, he was a fantastic player. Schoolboy footballer. And he loved Jamie, took Jamie. And when he signed Jamie at Liverpool, Jamie lived with him. Just a great, great person. But at Soccer Aid, we had a row because 
I took Craig David off late in the game, put Gareth Gates on. <laughs> and Gareth came on the wing and he had a run and he was struggling. I don't know, he was just, he was out of breath. And so I said, you're right, Gareth. He was like, so I subbed him and put, put uh, Craig David back on. And Kenny, <laughs> what's your game? I said, what's the, what's the matter, Ken? You, you know the rule. I couldn't, I mean, I'm not telling the language that was yeah. used. Uh, you know the rules. You can't put someone on when they've been subbed. And I, I said, no, you. I said, you've got him sitting there. He had a guy from Chile, an actor. He hadn't even put him on. And he had the spin doctor, Alastair Campbell. He's sitting there. He's not, I said, you ain't even put them two on. It's, oh, we had murders. I mean, can you believe it? All the years you've been a football manager and the, the only time you had a row was at a soccer race. <laughs> I know. But I tell you what, everybody wants to win, Ollie, don't they? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, you look last year, you know, Sam made a couple of substitutions that didn't go down too well. I mean, yeah, God, we all know about that. But let's talk about last year. I mean, you completely ruined my soccer raid by putting Patrice Evra right back against me. And we all know Patrice Evra is actually a left back. Well, we know, Oli, the the funniest thing the other year when you you and Mark Wright were coming down that left wing and I had the the lad out of Mrs. Brown's boys, Danny. Yeah, yeah, Danny (laughs) O'Carroll. He was getting slaughtered and he's got me deaf. What do I do here? I've got two of them. (laughs) Yeah, I remember you brought Martin on. You brought Martin Compton on, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. You put him right back as well. I remember getting a little rumour that Patrice Evra's turning up and he's going to be playing right back. It completely killed me. I had to go and play in the 10 and I didn't know what was going on. And all I remember is 10 minutes into the game thinking, I can get away with this. I'll still cause them trouble. And then Michael Essien just came steaming through me after I got the ball. And I thought, well, this is my soccer raid over this year. So you've done well. But we've done you the last couple of years. And um, so I think this year, I'm sure you, I think, you know, I don't know who's playing yet. I haven't seen the full lineup, you know, but I'm sure you're, They'll make, they, they, they're going to want to get an England win this year, the boys, aren't they? Do you, do you get, even now, do you still get really excited about doing soccer raids? Is it still something you really enjoy doing? Oh, I love it, Ollie. It's just to be with all you the guys, you know. Everybody gets on so well, don't they? It's fantastic. I love it. Absolutely love it. This year, Soccer Aid for UNICEF is all of us against COVID for every child everywhere because kids won't be safe until everyone they rely on is safe. To give 30, 20 or £10 Text 30, 20 or 10 to 70818. Text costs your donation plus one standard rate message. You must be 16 or over and please ask the bill payers permission. All donation routes close on the 6th of October 2021 at 5pm. See T's and C's and privacy notice at itv.com or stv.tv. So let's talk about the match on Saturday, the 4th of September. It's at the Etihad Stadium in Manchester. It is getting close now. Are you looking forward to it? I love it, Ollie's. You know, we have a few days training together and then the actual match is just, everybody wants to win. Both teams will be, I mean, in that dressing room, you've got lads that won World Cups, Champions Leagues, and they're going off their head. They're so excited. <laughs> and, you know, and you've got all you guys that have performed in front of incredible crowds and top of your business. Everybody just loves it. You know, it's, it's, it's great. Like you just said then, does it surprise you how competitive the pros get at it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, they, they want to win. There's no, um, there's no doubt about that. Everybody, when the, when the game's on, both teams, the pros, everybody. And as I say, the excitement, 
But everybody, when you're in, when you're in it, everybody wants to win, don't they? It's, that's what makes it so good, you know. It's it's just amazing. It's fantastic, you know. And we raise great money for charity, so it's, it's, it's fantastic. I mate, exactly. We raised tons of money, which is incredible. And also this year, with the, the crowd is back, which adds to it, don't you think? Oh, it's going to make such a difference. I mean, we did well last year, you know, but it's, it's just not the same about the fans, is it? Football's not the same, is it, Ollie? You know, this year, the last 18 months, we've watched games with no fans. It's just been a different game. Yeah. You know, it's better than nothing, but it's not the real, it's not been the real thing, has it? Can I actually say my bet, my favourite soccer aid year was probably the first year that we did it. I remember turning up at Fulham and you... Brian Robson were there. We had James Corden. Do you remember he was in our team? He was your assistant, I think, at the time. Old Corden. Yeah. And I just remember I'm meeting Harry Redknapp. I couldn't believe it. I'm he- Harry Redknapp's managing the England team. And what I loved about you, Harry, which I, I don't know, if, I mean, I'm sure you was like this as a manager. You just knew every single player that was in your team. You knew every single celebrity. You knew every pro. And you just made it feel such a a great experience for us all. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just want to thank you for that because it was, at the time, I was just the guy that came off X Factor. I, I, I literally, just six months before that, that I did Soccer Aid, I was working in a call centre. So all of a sudden, I'm I'm now with Harry Redknapp, one of the, you know, one of the, the best managers. I've got Brian Robson here. I've got James Corden. I've got Robbie Williams. I've got Teddy Sheringham. I'm playing up front with Alan Shearer. And I'm just thinking, this is bizarre. And but what I love the most is you walked up to me and you you'd obviously watch me on the show and you said, "Oh, Ollie, well done on the X Factor, mate. You know, here you've got a record deal, you've got music coming out. You know, love what you do, good luck and all this." And it, it made me feel like Man Mountain. I thought, "Oh my God, Harry Redknapp knows who I am." So I just want to thank you for that. Well, do you know, Ollie? I, see, I think football management, especially, I said to Stephen Gerrard about four years, three, four years ago when he was doing the kids at Liverpool. I said, "Steve, every day you go in, talk to the kids." They're not just a group. They're all individuals. Talk to them. How you doing? How's the digs? Everything good at home? Any problems? I'm going to do hey, I'm going to do a little bit of work with you after training for 10 minutes on, on whatever they do in a game. You're crossing. You're, you're one against one. So I'm going to do a little bit of work with you after the game, but I'm pleased with you. You're doing well. I've really taken interest in each one individually, and they, they'll be like over the moon. They'll ring up their parents or talk to their Hey, Dad, Stevie, Steve had a chat with me today. He said he's pleased with me. He's going to do a bit of work with me on this. And, and that is important. Someone taking a genuine interest in you. You know, when, when you're a football club, the tea lady, the tea today was amazing. Or the groundsman, what a great pitch you've got there today. Fantastic. Yeah. I think people love it, Ollie, didn't they? And I've got to say, Harry, that's what makes you special that you did that. Because I, even now, to this day, I can still remember that first day walking in nervous and looking around and then... You know, Harry Redknapp walked straight up to me, knew who knew my name, knew where I was from, knew the, the show that I did. And, and that was a special moment. And obviously, hearing what you're saying there, that is exactly what you was like as a manager, you know, as a Premier League manager. So thank you, mate. I really appreciate that. And I just think it don't cost nothing, does it? You know, you make people's lives and make them... It's nice to be nice, isn't it? It don't cost nothing, does it? It don't cost nothing, no. Well, listen, it's been, honestly, Harry, so lovely to talk to you this morning. It is a real honour to chat to you. I know we talk a lot of Soccer Aid and we always have such a laugh. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk today. Ollie, I love talking to you and me and Sandra. We're now going to change. It's all I keep doing. It's going over to changing up money every morning. It, it, it ain't cheap, Ollie. <laughs> I bet. Um, well, listen, you and Sandra are welcome to come to a show of mine at any point. But I need to ask you one important question. How does this year Soccer Aid pan out? Who wins? 
what's going to happen, let me know. Penalties again. <laughs> Penalties again. And I'm afraid we're going to do you again. But listen, Harry, great to talk to you and Sandra. I'll catch you soon. I'll see you in a couple of weeks.